greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
and welcome to another episode of the Hogan Era Podcast. I am, of course, your host, JP John Paz. This is part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire on the TMPT feed. This podcast is going to be all about Greg the Hammer Valentine. Of course, each and every week here on the Hogan Era Podcast, we're talking about the greatest feuds ever in the history of the greatest era. In the history of the business, 1984 to 1983, WBF, the golden era. In each and every week, we're talking about the Hulkster's domination, his global domination, worldwide takeover with himself, obviously at the helm, but Vincent Kennedy McMahon running things. And can't pick a better guy to kind of just take the ball and run with than the Hulkster. If you think about this era, I mean, whew. It made so much money, you can't even think about it. When you think about, like, okay, Piper could have been champion, Orndorff could have been champion, um, you know, give Andre a longer title run, or, you know, maybe give DiBiase a run. You can't kind of justify any of that, because does any of that really make sense with money being made? You're not going to make more money than you did with the Hulkster than by throwing the title belt around. You may make less, but you're not going to make more. So, if anybody says maybe, you know, Hulkster should have lost here, lost there, I disagree. This doesn't make sense. And it's great that they did keep the title so strong. And when Savage wins the title, he's immediately a made man. And obviously, if anybody's a world champion during the Hogan era, you're, you're kind of remembered forever and thought of in very high regard forever because they kept that belt so strong because of the Hulkster. When you hold it for a thousand plus days, pretty damn important. And what they're doing right now with Roman Reigns is that same formula that worked for them so well in the past. He's been champ for over 600 days. Keep that ball rolling. He's the guy. He's the man. He's, you know, all the metrics point to him making the most money for the company. That's what you got to do. And if you want to go back into that era of, of making just, you know, obviously they're making billions because of TV deals and Saudi Arabia and stuff. But if you really want to, you know, light the world on fire, doing all these stadium shows and maybe uh, light up some, fire on the house shows and stuff. I mean, you got to have one guy be the man and be that central figure and then work around him. Look, the attitude error was Steve Austin and everybody worked around him. When you have the guy at the top of the mountain, everybody else falls into place perfectly underneath. I know I mentioned that a lot on the show, but that's Hogan in a nutshell. You got the Hulkster at the top of the heap. Everybody else falls into a perfect place. You know, they're all top guys. They're all awesome, but they fall into a perfect place with the Hulkster at the top of the heap, at the top of the pyramid, at the top of the helm. But really, Greg the Hammer Valentine and this feud is much, much more of a mini feud. I mean, they do have about 20 matches or so, and they have a bunch, 10-plus world title matches all over the place. I mean, all over the world, really. You know, Not only USA, but in Canada as well. I mean, they're going to have world title matches everywhere. And when you think about 1984... And really, the, where this feud kind of started and really where, where Hulkamania started, if you go all the way back to April of 84, that's where Hulk and Valentine just kind of start the little mini feud. You know, obviously, they're, they're going to be in some of the, the big towns, if you will. I mean, the Baltimores, the MSGs, obviously going to be on the MSG network. But, I mean, they're going to go to um, Ottawa. They're going to go all over to Detroit. They're going to go back to, to Landover, Maryland. They're going to go to Houston, Texas. I mean, they're going to be all over the place with this little mini feud, but it's really the groundwork and you're really building up Hulkamania here in 84. He wins the title in January from the Sheik in 1984, and that's the start of Hulkamania, the birth, and then you kind of just keep building 
from there, but you can't just build him blindly. You can't just leave him be and just like, okay, he'll just, you know, he'll just be the man. You have to have strong, credible opponents. He's got to beat guys along the way. Yes, he's the Hulkster. Yes, he's the God of wrestling. Yes, he's the Babe Ruth of wrestling, but he needs credible bad guys to beat along the way. If you don't have that strong bad guy, it's kind of boring and you're not kind of as interested. So you need good guys that are credible, that have been around, that have been a force that the WWF audience knows is a credible force and a former world title contender. If you remember back in the late seventies and then early eighties, Bob Backlund's a world champion and Greg Valentine might be his, one of his greatest opponents, if not the greatest. I mean, they had some great wars and great battles and Valentine was awesome. Maybe he could have won the WWF title for a cup of coffee, but nope, they kept it on Backlund and he kept it for a long time. And just uh, the way it was uh, at that point, but you have strong, credible opponents built in for the Hulkster. Like we talked about before in 84, you got the beefcakes. The world we talked about last week. who's a nice opponent to kind of throw in there for some mix, but Dr. D David Schultz was a great one to mix in there. You got Piper coming along. I mean, uh, you got uh, Bob Orton jr. I mean, you got a bunch of good, credible opponents for him to be facing in 84 and really kind of building up Hulkamania building up Hulkamania and great hammer Valentine. Yeah. Let's face it. He's a legend. Awesome worker. As soon as you see him, instant credibility. Great top of the line guy. You got to love the hammer. If you're not a fan of the hammer, you know, I, I got to question your your, uh, your loyalty to the professional wrestling business because he is wrestling. You know, you could say, oh, he's not a great sports entertainer or whatever. He's just fine. And you need those guys that are very straight, you know, the straight man. Um, no bullshit. They're going to chop the shit out of you. They're going to beat the shit out of you. You're going to look like you're in a fight. You need those guys, especially as opponents for Hogan, who's a lot more sports entertainment. Obviously, his matches with Valentine can be a little tough. And his match, obviously, with Dr. David Schultz is like a bloodbath. And we have and, and Terry Funk and stuff. And we have the hardcore matches and, and the tough matches as well. But the guy like Valentine, he's really going to take a guy like Hogan. And it's like, okay, you're a sports entertainer. Now you're going to wrestle the way I want to wrestle. And it's going to be my type of match. And Hogan's got to match it. And he does, and the crowd sees that, they know that, and they respect that. So if we go all the way back to 1975, that's where Greg Valentine makes his debut in the WWF. Madison Square Garden, all the way back when they're on HBO, believe it or not, he beats El Olimpico in about eight minutes in New York City. That is 4-14-1975. El Olimpico, also known as Joey Correa, Joaquin Correa, the spoiler number two, you know, kind of your your local jobber, if you will. Valentine would go along, only having one other match in 75. He loses to Victor Rivera in MSG, comes back in 78, beats Steve King, comes back in 79, he beats S.G. Jones, Paul Figueroa, S.G. Jones again, and then he starts a little mini feud with Bob Backlund for the WWF title. On 2-19-1979 at MSG on the MSG Network, 60-minute time limit draw with Bob Backlund. So they are really, really building up the hammer. They have their return match March 26, 1979 for the WWF World Title in a no-time limit match. So nothing will save Backlund here. The match goes about 31 minutes. Bob Backlund defeats Greg the Hammer. Great match there from MSG. But you got to love the build-up there. They're having... Uh, Many, many rematches here. So they have another rematch at the Philly Spectrum, and it's for the title. Greg the Hammer Valentine defeats Backlund by referee's decision. Match goes about 25 minutes. That's in April. The match, the, the title does not change hands. 
So then they have a rematch again, 5-3-79. Backlund defeats Greg the Hammer in Poughkeepsie, New York, via countout. So you're keeping him strong. They go to New Haven. Again, count out. Backlund wins. They go to Baltimore, double DQ. I mean, they're going all over the place with this, you know, kind of big-time feud for, for Bobby Backlund. And, you know, it's not like one of those short feuds. I mean, it's going to be like a six-month feud here. And they're kind of, you know, exchanging some victories back and forth or their own account in, or like what happened in Binghamton in uh, March, excuse me, May uh, 19th, 1979. Backlund and Valentine go to a draw. So they just keep, you know, the matches just keep coming and keep coming. So they have a rematch the following week in the Philly Spectrum. The Giant Haystacks is a special guest referee for this one. And Valentine defeats, excuse me, Backlund defeats Valentine's by referee decision in 23 minutes. They'll have a rematch in Pittsburgh where Backlund wins by a countout. They'll have a best two out of three falls match in the Boston Garden, which ends in a double DQ in about 20 minutes. They'll go to the White Plains, the Civic Center, if you will. Backlund gets the win there. He gets the win in Toronto, Ontario. They have another match in Baltimore, Maryland, where special guest referee is Gorilla Monsoon. Backlund gets the win there. And the, you know, the match kind of, I wouldn't say ends the feud there, but they do continue on. They'll go to the Allentown PA, the fairgrounds there, and Backlund will defeat him by a countout. And also they'll go to Scranton PA and Backlund beats him again. He uh, Valentine kind of has a feud with Chief J. Strombo as they're having many Indian strap matches in between. But it's funny, the, the matches and the feud with, with Valentine and Bob Backlund don't really end. I mean, you go all the way to October of 79 and they're still feuding. And Backlund beats him by DQ in White Plains. So it's not like the feud's ending. It's just that Valentine's got other feuds going on with Chief J. Strombo and other things going on. At the same time, they have a big match in 1981. So the feud keeps going. They kind of take a break in, in 1980 after feuding for the whole year of 79. And Backlund defeats Valentine in about 20 minutes on MSG. That was on 10-19-81. They'll wrestle again the following month. And Greg Valentine defeats him by DQ. They'll wrestle again 11-23-81 MSG. Backlund will defeat Greg Valentine in 16 minutes. Man, it's one of those things where the feud never stops. Yes, Greg DeHammer would would eventually fight him again and get some wins in Philly via countout. They'll have a rematch and a stretcher match. Springfield, Ohio, Backlund would defeat Valentine there. Also, at the same time, Pedro Morales having a little bit of mini feud with Valentine over the IC title, which is going on, and they're having some big feuds. So at the same time, in 1982, Backlund is fighting Greg Valentine in New Britain, Connecticut, Boston, Mass., and then basically the following day in New Jersey, Pedro Morales is fighting Valentine in Jefferson Township and then Irvington. They'll have a cage match with Backlund and Valentine, which I think a lot of people probably remember from the prison network in Philly and one sixteen eighty two, where Backlund gets the win there. Man, it's just crazy. They just keep feuding. But it's like Valentine is so high thought of and so high up the card, depending on where they are in you know what town they are in the Northeast, whether it's New Jersey, New York, wherever. Pittsburgh, PA, Salisbury, Maryland. They're kind of going back and forth. But Pedro Morales is wrestling either, excuse me, Greg Valentine's wrestling either Pedro Morales or Bob Backlund for the title. It's just a very, very high thought of as far as if you look at Greg DeHaan and Valentine's having two feuds with the two top guys over the two titles at essentially the same exact time. 
when Greg Valentine kind of just moving on up in the card, you can't get higher than that. I mean, they're the two best guys way up on the card. They're having special guest referees for the matches. They're having cage matches. They're having stretcher matches. And him and Backlund is a great feud that lasts over three years. The Pedro Morales Valentine feud would last for a couple years, and they really would exchange a lot of victories. But for the most part, Pedro Morales is getting a lot of the victories over Greg the Hammer. For the most part, Bob Backlund is getting a lot of victories over Greg the Hammer as well. It's just interesting to note, and I know I'm saying it a few times, but if you're that high up on the card, and you're you know you're that strong of a heel, you're able to go in different territories and different towns. Well, really same territory, but different towns, and wrestle both champions and still be believable. That hell, he this guy may come out and and, and you know he could win either title. You know what I mean? He could be the world champion, he could be the IC champion, he could be both champs. That's how valued and strong Valentine really was. The last world title match for Valentine and Backlund was really 7 11 1982 when Backlund defeated Valentine about 17 minutes in Toronto, Ontario. At Maple Leafs Gardens. So it's just one of the things where Valentine doesn't win the world title, but he was very, very, you know, high thought of and he was really, really high up the card where it's like, man, he could have been the world champion at any time. A lot of people, I know a lot of fans, I was talking a buddy of mine uh, from Allentown, PA, who was saying he was hoping that Valentine would win. Nothing against Backlund, love Val- uh, Backlund, but he just wanted Valentine to be the champion. He's almost like the kind of guy where he could have been the NWA world champion, and I don't think anybody would have thought anything different of it in, in the mix of Flair. Obviously, Flair's got a, a lot more charisma, but he just fits in that vein where he's a tough guy, shooter type where nobody is going to kind of bat an eye or think like that they could take the guy in he, almost in, in that, that shooter type role where he could be a world champion and take care of himself and really, really kick ass and, and take names. And you don't have to worry about that guy being shot on and somebody taking the title from him. So we're talking about the Pedro Morales feud. Pedro Morales would lose the IC title to Don Morocco in 83 Tito Santana wins the title in 84. Valentine would beat Tito September 24th, 1984 for the Intercontinental title in Ontario, Canada, part of Maple Leaf Wrestling. It was actually on tape delay, and you would see it aired on October 13th, 1984. Almost a year title run here. 285 days for Greg the Hammer as champion. Before that, Tito held it for 226. I mean, the guys are holding it for long title ranger. They're getting really, really good good runs. But 285 days for Valentine, who would then lose it again to Tito in 1985, who would have a 217-day title reign. But interesting to note that Tito loses to Valentine and wins it back and has two long title runs, both over 200 days and of course macho man would win it from there and he'd hold it for well over a year 414 days goes to steamboat for only 65 and then of course as we know history from there 454 days the longest title run of all time the honky tonk man the greatest intercontinental champion of all time as he held that belt for quite a while but very very synonymous with the work rate title very very synonymous with greg the hammer valentine who's a great great worker so then we go to 84 or really Valentine is becoming a major, major player as we head into April. But actually, before that, I just want to quickly mention NWA St. Louis. October 8th and October 22nd, Hogan in a two-on-one handicap match defeated the great Tio and Greg Valentine. 
And then Dick the Bruiser and Hulk Hogan defeat Dewey Robertson, a.k.a. The Missing Link, and Greg the Hammer Valentine in about 14 minutes. That's the first time they ever wrestled, the first time touch, and those two matches in NWA in St. Louis, one at the Keel Auditorium, one at the Checker Dome. So the first match for Hogan and Greg the Hammer, 421-1984 for the World Heavyweight Championship in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hogan would defeat Valentine by DQ. They have a rematch in Baltimore, Maryland, where Hogan beats Valentine there. They go to Cincinnati, Ohio again, and Hogan is defeating Valentine by DQ. They go to Baltimore, Maryland. Hogan wins there. They have a very big match, 723-1984 from MSG on the MSG Network in New York City. Hulk Hogan defeats Craig the Hammer Valentine in about 11 minutes. You can find that match online. That's some good stuff. And the following month, 8-4-1984, Hogan versus Valentine. Hogan defends the title and defeats him again in about 11 minutes. You can see that all over YouTube. It's on the Prism Network, part of Philly Spectrum in Philly, PA. So those matches are great matches, and they're available for those who want to see it. I always just do my handy-dandy YouTube because the network isn't very reliable, and I hate how, really, Peacock doesn't have enough stuff on there. All these matches were on TV. They were all televised in their market in Philly and in New York. And, of course, I saw them in New Jersey. You will be able to find them, and the WB has them and should release them all. Man, they could do hours and hours of of Hogan trivia, uh, excuse me, Hogan footage and Hogan tributes and really just have all those awesome TV matches. I mean, they're just amazing. Bad News Brown, Harley Race, Terry Funk, these ones with Valentine, great stuff and different stuff. Than you're normally seeing from the Hulkster. They'll have a match in Toronto, Ontario at the Maple Leaf Gardens. Hogan defeats Valentine there in about 12 minutes. Ottawa, Hogan defeats Valentine. The Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Hogan wins. Worcester, Mass, Hogan would defeat Valentine there. Tampa, Florida, State Fairgrounds in Detroit, Michigan. As we're heading into really the summer of 85 here for a few of these matches. And then really the last big one-on-one match, 9-14-1985. Hogan defeats Valentine. Capital Center in Landover, Maryland. Of course, they're both part of Royal Rumble 1989, which was won by Big John Studd. They have a big match, part of Saturday Night's main event, number 28, Toledo Sports Arena in Toledo, Ohio. Hogan and Tugboat defeat Rhythm and Blues, Greg Valentine and Honky Tonk by DQ. That match goes seven minutes. 1991, Royal Rumble, Hulk Hogan would defeat everyone there and win the Royal Rumble. Last eliminating earthquake. Great showing here by Greg the Hammer Valentine. Great line, of course, that uh, Gorilla Monsoon used to love to use about the hammer. Takes Greg about 45 minutes to warm up, which pretty much did as he lasted about that long in that Royal Rumble. He did great there. There's also a 20-man battle royal run by one by Mr. Perfect on 4-15-1981, part of Saturday's main event number 29. Omaha Civic Auditorium in Omaha, Nebraska. Mr. Perfect gets that win there. Of course, like I mentioned, Greg Valentine and Hogan are in that one. Royal Rumble 92. They're both in the big world title match. The Ric Flair ends up winning the vacated world title. Every man for himself. Knickerbocker Arena in Albany, New York. And that's really the last time those two touch in the Hogan era. Just one of those great mini feuds that you just love. Hogan needed a strong opponent, and Valentine was that. Fit the bill and was perfect and really did a great job in 1984 and 85. And then obviously with Rhythm and Blues being the the headliner of a Saturday night's main event against Hogan and Tugboat in 1991. So really here, Valentine in 91, that's one of his last matches. His real last one-on-one match in WWF, Greg Valentine defeats Skinner, 125-92, Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, Illinois. He comes back, part of the Survivor Series, 
Bret Hart, Bruce Hart, Keith Hart, and Owen Hart defeat Shawn Michaels, the Black Knight, the Blue Knight, and the Red Knight. Of course, you had Greg Valentine as the Blue Knight. You had Jeff Gaylord as the Black Knight, and the Red Knight, of course, was a Barry Horowitz. Then Royal Rumble 1994, Greg Valentine makes a return. Providence, Rhode Island, Bret Hart, and Lex Luger were co-winners in that one, and that's really his last ever appearance as far as wrestling-wise in the WWF. I know that's not really a part of the Hogan era, and if you think about it, Survivor Series 93 isn't part of the Hogan era, but just wanted to mention it anyway, just for some clarity in his last match. His real last match was against Skinner, which he got the win in January of 92, part of the Hogan era. So again, just a little mini feud for the Hulkster, a nice little paydays and sellout shows for the hammer. As we head towards the plugs, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 2 Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com and Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era Podcast. I'll see you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother. Turn around is fair play as we see the hammer now making his way down the runway preceded by the captain, the fountain of misinformation, Louis Albano. Getting ready for his Title confrontation. Let's go now back. Let's go now back into the locker room and uh, get an interview with incredible Hulk Hogan and Gene Okerlund. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight here at Madison Square Garden, title defense for the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan. Tonight, Greg the Hammer Valentine, watch out for the figure four. Me and Gene, New York City is alive and well, man. Everywhere I go, man, the electricity is flowing. And tonight, tonight after I put the hammer down, when the Hulkster puts the hammer down, New York City, I'm going to call the electric company. We want all the power shut off, man, because everybody's going to be glowing. But Greg the Hammer, you're not going to see nothing, brother. It's going to be boom, boom. Big one just moments away for the world champion. condition as the eye of the tiger brings out into this jam track Madison Square Garden incredible
Federation Heavyweight Championship scheduled for one fall with a one hour time limit. To my left, the challenger from Seattle, Washington, weighing 250 pounds, Greg the Hammer Valentine. His opponent from Venice Beach, California, weighing 302 pounds, the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, the abused to it and immediately attacks the hook. Look at this. Trying to ram uh, his uh, head uh, in, but he won't go, Gene. It isn't going to happen. Oh, and a right, and a right, and a left now. Pow! Oh, Valentine not making a prudent move at the outset of this particular bout. But he can take it, Gene, as I can well attest to. At this Hogan for a man. 302 pounds, he just moves with fluidity. The hammer trying to shake out the cobwebs. Golden opportunity for him. Crack at the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight uh -oh. Championship. Lucky here. Boom. Oh, this Hogan. Having a good time, Gene. <laughs> Hulk Hogan facing the most grueling period of his reign thus far. As Picked the him up. Uh, Look at that. Bag of potato like chips. Child. Oh, what an elbow. He's fired up, isn't he? Hogan on fire. Reverse chin lock now by the Hulk. And he is enormous. Hulk now turns it into a side headlock as he is in complete control from the outset of this match with the exception of the top. Look at, look at a show of strength. On the well, part of the hammer. You said he had it, Gorilla Monsoon. And we have just seen a pretty good exhibition of the talents of Greg the Hammer Valentine. He'll be relentless now. You can count on that. You give him an inch and he'll take it all. Look at this. Uh-oh. That's a really kind of a form. Partial camel clutch. Yes, it is. with uh, Valentine's alliances in the World Wrestling Federation. I can well imagine where he brought that one up. Well, he's not, he doesn't have it applied properly to get the most effect out of it, Gene, and I'm sure that the Hulk is just going to power, look at him, power right out of this. Stands right up with him. Look out, lower back. On this particular occasion, it is Greg the Hammer Valentine. Of challenger against the champion, the heavyweight champion of the world, and certainly a popular one.
everywhere he goes. It's unbelievable. The reaction is just phenomenal. Look at that block by Palantine, and he comes back with a series of blows. That fine uh, forearm to the side of the the jaw, and Hogan goes down, and when a man 302 pounds hits that canvas, you know something has happened. Look at that flying oh. forearm right into the throat area. Going for the cover. Two. No. Well, look at this. Hulk's got too much power to be hit well, in a particular manner. Valentine hurt his knee. He went high up into the air trying to nail Hulk Hogan. Valentine still on the prowl here, still relentless. Taking Util advantage of the ropes there. Utilizing those ropes to his benefit, certainly. All right. Referee calling for the break. Double parting shots, however. By Greg the Hammer Valentine. You know, Gorilla Monsoon, on this occasion, it happens to be Greg the Hammer Valentine. And if Hulk Hogan makes it through this match, there are so many others just waiting in the wings oh my God. for an opportunity. The list goes on and on. Iron Sheik looking for a crack to get his title back. Dr. David Schultz. Dr. D certainly in line. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Big John Stubb, George the Animal Steel. The list just goes on and on, Jim. Cowboy Bob Orton. I think I could go on forever. Shoulder breaker. And the Hulk really has no saging as to who he must defend against. Abs ooh, ooh, I felt that one myself. Valentine on the receiving end of that size 14. Both men outside the ring now. Not too much room out there. Hold on. Oh, look at Hulk taking a Valentine with a series of rights. Both men outside of the ring. There's Bedlam and Pandemonium breaking loose this week. Oh! Comic drop. As Hulk rolls back in. And Valentine oh, that, is hurt. Now that referee, referee should be over there with a the count. Of course, Valentine has got Ted to get back into the ring. Now there, in my estimation, Hulk making a mistake. Well, he, he was up count. to a four count. Now Hogan back outside going of the ring again. Oh my, him. going after Valentine. Double sledge and another big forearm. Those rights with 302 uh, pounds behind him. Gorilla Monsoon have got to be taking their toll. The Hulk throwing him back into the ring. He doesn't want to count out here, Gene. Wow, what a knee by Valentine. Both men back into the ring, and now Valentine, being the capitalist that he is, takes advantage of opportunity that presents itself as Hogan slips underneath the rope, back out of the ring apron, and finally into the ring. Elbow that sent the big guy down. Did it ever. He didn't actually crumble, but he certainly went down. Follows with a Line elbow to the upper chest. Just about. There's no question in my mind that on, on the right occasion, Valentine could indeed be the new World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion. Absolutely, no question in my mind, Dan. If he gets in a position where he can slap that figure four on you, I don't care who you are, he's going to beat you with it. 
Well, if he has an opportunity to administer that particular submission hold on the incredible Hulk Hogan, maybe a little difficult in light of the fact that Hogan's legs are like tree trunks. Well, I will grant you that, Gene. However, if he can apply the hold, regardless of the size of your leg, if he completes the application of the hold, it really doesn't matter how big your legs are, you're going to get beat. We saw Hogan raising that, that index finger into the air. Back onto a knee, up onto his feet. Comes back with a series of elbows. Look at this exchange between these two great ones. Hogan lifts to the side of the head. Oh, and a right that just about. Oh, he hooked his leg as he dropped down. Pulls the Hulk up. Wow, oh. jammed it into the table or chair there. There's a chair. Valentine doing a number on the Hulk's leg with that chair, softening it up, so to speak. What did he ever? Oh, did he ever? And now look at this. To further soften it up, as you said, comes back and just grinds that right foot into the inner knee. He's getting him ready, Hogan. Gene. He's setting him up. I right need the hamstring. Oh. He's setting him up right now for that figure four. Boy, is he painted a picture. Here it, here it is. Getting tall. Oh, Hogan kicks out. Valentine right back. Oh, way downstairs on that way one. Way down on way that one. Way down under. Got kicked off again. How does Hogan do it? Now, this man's life is that belt. That left leg is still in a lot of trouble. Is it ever? I'm, I'm not so certain. Well, he might have snapped a hamstring earlier on. Either with that knee or when he snapped it back. Partial backbreaker, yes. I, I'd have to say, Gorilla Monsoon, that hamstring has been damaged. Well, either that or he tore some ligaments on the inside of that left knee. And that's a possibility. Oh, what an elbow off the second turnbuckle from the inside. One, two. Valentine not hooking a leg. Now he mounts Hulk Hogan and laughs away with a series of rights. Relentless. He's going outside now, Gene. He's going to go up. Well, I believe he's giving Hogan too much time, though, because Hulk is back on his knees. But wait a minute. Hulk's going to make it to his feet. He does, indeed. Oh, he caught him with a clothesline oh. off the top turnbuckle. Did he ever? Fine leg drop. Hooks. He's going to get two, it cradled up. Three. Victory. Oh, what a victory. Unbelievable. Hulk Hogan went to that complete cradle, not taking any chances. Just unreal. Stay with us, wrestling fans. The Hulk victorious. We'll be right back. <laughs> 